Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant, and it is good to have you here with us today. Hey, I uh, hope you're doing well. Hope life is treating you good. We got a great show for you today. I'm just excited about it. So uh, let's get into it. Today we've got my buddy uh, Dave Munson that is joining us. Dave is the uh, the founder creator of Saddleback Leather, a uh, a leather goods company. Like, have you ever seen like just this nice, high quality leather backpacks or briefcases or gear, and you just like like you just you're drawn to it? Maybe you like you're one of those people that smell it. I know a couple people like that. They just smell leather and they're just drawn to it. That's unique, but there's no judgment here. This is a judgment-free zone, my friends. No shame in that at all. Today, we're going to be talking with Dave about how he started, how he built this company and how they've created something that's really top of the line and how they've chosen to build it and how they choose to uh, sell it today. So really interesting stuff here. Also, be sure that you download the uh, bonus material. Dave and I, we stick around for a a couple extra minutes to uh, chit-chat and chatter about creating your own leather goods. Let's say you had something that you wanted to make. Like, How would you actually go about doing that? So we talked for a couple minutes about that. So here we go. Let's get right into it. We're talking with uh, Dave Munson, founder, creator, CEO of Saddleback Leather. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by Dave Munson, who is the creator and founder of Saddleback Leather. Now, if you are a leather snob at all, you are definitely a thousand percent familiar with them. They make some of the finest quality goods all around. So we're going to talk about his uh, story and journey, how the story came to be, how the uh, the products came to be as well, and uh, looking forward to this. So Dave, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, hi, Grant. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, so Saddleback Leather, again, this is a company that I think think a decent amount of people are probably familiar with. So you do more than just create, like, nice, sexy bags. What all do you guys make? So we make briefcases, old-fashioned suitcases, no wheels. We make belts and wallets, of course. Yeah, all sorts of leather things. We have these new leather pine cones, actually. My wife thought it'd be really cool to have leather pine cones for Christmas, so... We're always experimenting and having fun. And she did this really cool, like, leather bow that you – it's like a strip of leather, three strips of leather. You pull one, the middle one, and and the other two slide up and makes a cool bow. So we're always just doing all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Seems like you just – like, you take this one, I guess, just resource of leather and just figure out how many different ways you can make it and shape it, huh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's – you know, we have all these really good design guys who I give them a sketch or give them an idea, or my wife does, and they just make things. They're really good with their hands. It's super cool. <laughs> that, uh, so, that sounds like yeah. any artist's dream. It's just like I get to like sketch different ideas and people make them and turn them into <laughs> like actual physical things. Seriously, it is so fun to be able to do that. Yeah, it's just anyway, I, I have a, a super fun job. I think it's a pretty fun company, and we make a lot of fun stuff. Nice. There's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. into it. Just fun everywhere. So you guys, are you primarily manufacturing and selling this online? Or are you doing it through retail outlets? What, what's kind of the makeup of the business? Yeah, so I started selling on eBay way back in the day. And I thought, man, I just don't, don't like the idea of sharing with a, a store. <laughs> so yeah. so we just do 100% online retail, and we're on Amazon 
also, but we dropped eBay because eBay tends to be kind of bad for the brand. It's kind of where thieves go to sell, you know, their wares and that sort of thing. So we dropped eBay and we picked up Amazon and so, and then just 100% on the website. All right. So you don't want to, not interested in doing any type of retail at all? We're going to be opening our own store. Oh, nice. Well, we don't want to do, have our bags everywhere. We could have, we get requests. I don't even see the requests anymore. Uh, we get so many every week. Hey, I've got this really cool boutique. We're different from everyone. Could we have your stuff in our stores? And we have this email that goes out to them. So saying we want to be a household name. or No, we don't want to be a household name, but just in some households, we want to be a household name. So, gotcha. you know, when I was in high school, the bomber jacket came out. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. This kid wore this bomber jacket. <laughs> and it was this brown leather jacket. It was really cool. And it was like two months later, the whole school, like a third of the school had a bomber jacket. And then it lasted, I don't know, a year and a half or something like that. And then nobody had them. And I would hate to be the bomber jacket of bags. That's what would happen if I was in a whole bunch of stores. That's what I feel. So it's not worth it to me. Interesting. All right. Let's backtrack a little bit. So I know you guys are, uh, you're based out of uh, the Fort Worth area in, in uh, Texas in the U.S. right now. But are you from down in Texas? No, actually, uh, Portland, Oregon. That's where there's a lot of flavor of the bag is I've recognized that in my life that my surroundings, what I was, who I was raised with, the just even trees and bark and cliffs and mountains kind of affected my design. It's kind of my flavor. I guess if I had been raised in New York City or in, you know, El Paso or something, I'd have a different design. So my design kind of reflects a kind of mountainy, outdoorsy sort of things. What do you think that is? Like, I, I totally agree that, that your surroundings can have such a dramatic impact on careers and businesses and just direction and trajectory of life. I know for me, I grew up in Missouri my entire life and great place. Nothing wrong with it. All our families there. And, and we just moved to Nashville about seven months ago. A lot of entrepreneur friends and buddies that are here. And there's just something about being in a certain city location where you're surrounded by like-minded people or doing like-minded things, or in your case, that are just in those types of surroundings that help you just creatively and just design-wise with your products. Why is it that you think that the surroundings make such a big impact on the type of business and the type of career that we end up having? I don't know why that is. Everyone's creative in some sense, and usually the entrepreneurs are a little more creative than the non-entrepreneurs a lot of time. But when you see a good idea, you go, oh my gosh, I could improve that. <laughs> No. Or, oh, wow, That's I think it's always wanting to improve things. And so when you see a lot of creative creativity around and people improving things, it just gets in your blood and you go, how could I make that better? How could I make this better? And there's something about just being around, I don't know, I, I think it's important that who you surround yourself with and and actually where you are to spur on good ideas and creativity. There's just something about that. And I, I don't know why but i would just recommend that everybody do it <laughs> yeah totally so, okay let's talk about this so where like where does this fascination of leather even come from is this something you kind of grew up around or something that you stumbled upon or how did this kind of come to be i would used to walk through the mall i'd walk by wilson's leather <laughs> and i go oh man that smells so good and then i go in there and i like rub my cheek on the sleeves and just you know like oh i just adored the smell it's just something drew me to it so yeah, I always just love the smell of leather. And so, but then Indiana Jones, man, the guy is just studly. Yeah. The, that character and leather jacket, leather hat, leather whip. And so I thought, man, I need to have a bag like Indiana Jones. <laughs> and so, and so I, I was looking for a bag to carry my school books in, the school books I was my students. And I 
so I had this image of Indiana Jones and what he would carry. And it turns out he has a canvas bag, a little canvas satchel. I didn't know that. But I thought that he, of course, being a manly man, would have a leather bag. Right. And so I designed it. Later I found out, oh, he didn't have a leather one after all. But uh, it was Indiana Jones and my mistaken thought that he had a leather bag. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> all right. So you decide that you need more leather and you're like, I just, first of all, I envision you going to the, to Wilson's leather and you're the awkward customer just going around smelling and, and <laughs> like a scratch and sniff store or something. <laughs> yeah. That, that was the, Oh, here comes that one guy again. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this fascination with leather. And I mean, I think for a lot of people that are listening, like we all have like these random fascinations or things that are like, Oh, that's kind of cool. It's just a little side thing that I'm into or I like, or it's a little hobby of mine. At what point did you decide, like, this is more than just the awkward guy smelling stuff in the mall? Like, I think I could actually, like, do this. And I, I kind of want to make this. I had a, an old Toyota Land Cruiser and way back in the day. And I said, I think if I covered these seats in leather, it'd be really cool. And it, it's, everything was leather, leather, leather. And so I had the bag made and it was leather. And then I, I had this old suitcase that I found in the garage at a house I had rented and it was old leather and falling apart. And so I had someone make a suitcase. It just became fun to make things of leather. And I was down in Mexico and you can get leather things made really cheap. I had an iPod also <laughs> a little later. Can you make a case for this iPod? I didn't know they would change them every three months or six months or whatever. But <laughs> so he spent, you know, four months making his iPod cover. But, you know, that sort of thing. It was fun for me. And so I always recommend to people like, Look at what's fun for you. If it's fly fishing, start a fly fishing company or a fly fishing guide company or a place that guides you to fly fishing guides or that links to guide. You know, if you like technology and fly fishing, then but the way to get into it is just get into it. Yeah. The way to start a business is to start a business. <laughs> and then you learn, wow, I'll never do that again. Right. <laughs> or, uh, oh, my gosh. But you have to mess up a whole bunch of times. And try and try and try and try. And that's when it just starts coming together. And now you're doing fly fishing technology with software. And you're like, how people go, how'd you get into that? Well, I started telling people about fly fishing. Right, right. And so, just kind of evolves over time. And I assume like even the way that your business looks today, like you had no idea that, that it would look like that today and go accordingly. Right, right. Actually, you know, I started it to continue my I used to work with at-risk youth, and you understand that, Grant, working with youth. So I used to work with youth all the time, and I thought, hey, if I had this bag, everyone likes my bag. If I sold more of these bags, then I wouldn't have to like actually get a job. I could just volunteer all the time. Right. And so, so the business was, I thought, if I ever sold $10,000 worth of bags in one month, I would just like, life is good. I would even get a car with air conditioning. You know, but yeah, it just kept evolving from eBay to a little bit of eBay and Amazon. And then I got some family members involved and yeah, it just kept evolving and evolving. So I want to go back to that, that very first bag that you make. So you're fascinated with leather. You are sniffing stuff at stores. You see Indiana Jones with what seems to be a leather bag. And you said you were in high school, college at the time? When I had my first bag made? No, yeah. I, I had had about 25 different jobs and... I was living in Mexico teaching English. Okay. And I was volunteering in a town called Morelia. And so anyway, I was I was down there teaching English. I needed something to carry my bags or my books. And so since there was a leather worker there, I, I sketched out this design. He made it for me. And 
everyone went crazy for it. And when I got back up to the States after this a year of teaching English, man, four or five times a day, people tapped me on the shoulder. Hey, excuse me, sir. Where'd you get that bag? Wow. Hey, where'd you find that bag? Hey, excuse me, sir. Uh, can you show me where I can buy one of those bags? And I thought, hmm, this is cool. I think there's a business here. Yeah. And I thought it'd be a side business, but it, it morphed into that. So I ended up moving to, uh, after a long, I don't can't go through all of it, Acapulco and then selling real estate down near Mexico City. I had a federale sent to kill me at one time uh, in this whole process. I ended up in Juarez, Mexico. And I was sleeping on the floor with my black lab, Blue, and in a $100 a month apartment. I had no hot water for three years. And yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. My wow. friends were like, my friends were like, dude, why are you doing that? And I was like, well, all the money that I'm saving from not paying rent in El Paso, I just put right back into bags and I had more bags made. And so what they would do, this father and son, I found this father and son to make, to, to improve on the bag that was originally made. And they would send the bags up on the bus. I'd go to the bus station, I'd pick them up from the bus station, take them over to El Paso, you know, two or three bags at a time. And then I would sell them on eBay. I had a friend who was a mechanic. And, and so in the evenings, he'd let me use his office and the internet and all that sort of thing. And so, yeah, it really worked out well. It really worked out well. So uh, they got so busy. I got so busy doing that after about three years. Well, I was down in Panama and just with my brother hanging out. And I checked my eBay auction. Mm-hmm. My dad was handling it while I was gone. And they were going for $710 each. Wow. And I thought, wow, this is great. And, of course, I had very little overhead. It was just me and Blue. And Blue didn't require much. <laughs> and it was, just, it was just, you know, I did everything. So uh, I was making tons of money with it. And then the next website I went to was MySpace. And there was this really pretty girl. <laughs> and she was asking me a question. And, and I looked at her profile. There's a picture of her gutting a deer. And I was like, oh, wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> was like, wow, that's better than lingerie. And so she was all bloody. And I was like, so I went back to the U.S., married her, moved to San Antonio, and the business just kept on growing. So That's crazy. All right, you covered a lot of ground there. Let's, let's go back for a second. You said, so before you, you created that very first leather bag for yourself, you'd done like 25-some jobs. Like At the time, were you just kind of like bouncing around trying to figure out what you wanted to do in life? Where was your head at that whole time? Just kind of like, I don't really know what I want to do, so I'm just going to keep trying things and hopefully I land on it? Or what were you kind of thinking? You know what? That was exactly it. I was... I kept going back to Mexico. I kept being drawn back to Mexico. But in the meantime, in order to get money, I would I was just doing whatever. And I was sleeping on people's couches or in my car. I was going to school, went to university there in Oregon, not Oregon State or Oregon. But yeah, I was just going to school and wandering. And then whenever I had breaks, I would wander. And so here's the thing. I never really had anyone to guide me in what I should be doing and what kind of work do I enjoy most. So I went to college my first semester. I was studying accounting. and I was the hardest class ever. And then I went into business computer systems. That would have been a nightmare to be in for me. And so what I found is is now I'm able, because I understand me, I'm able to guide other people in, like, what kind of work should you be going towards? And and I was just guessing all the time. And so I always guessed wrong. (laughs) So I needed to be working with people and doing marketing things. And, but I didn't know that. And so I would get these jobs where I'd be alone all day, just delivering vegetables and stuff and, or a maintenance guy alone all day long. And it was taking energy out of me. So when I finally found something that gave me energy, 
I just started gravitating more towards that, which was marketing and, and people. So how long did it take you to come to that conclusion that I need to be around people and I need to be doing marketing? Like, How long were you on the path before you, you kind of got that figured out? It took me about 32 years. <laughs> <laughs> give or take. Give or take. Give or take a month. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was. It took me about thirty-two years, and so I was working with youth. I was I was a youth pastor for a while, and actually, I, I lasted three years, which was really strange because my average job was three months, three six months. Yeah. And so when I did three years, I thought, "Oh, I'm onto something here." I was working with youth, helping them to understand that that there was something better, and so it was kind of the, I was marketing to youth, is what it turns out looking back on it. And but I just I loved it. And so then I, I did my first eBay auction and I wrote the story and I learned that I like writing and I didn't know that before. And I learned I liked persuading people. I liked getting in, just helping them to understand quality. And anyway, I just told the story and people seemed to like it a lot. And so I kept telling more stories and relating more with people and caring for people. And it just kept going. Right. I want to push back on something you said earlier. You know, if you're into fly fishing, you should do, you know, you should start a fly fishing business, you know, and just kind of take that next logical step and see where that goes. And there's some things where just because you're interested in it or just because you're even you're good at it doesn't necessarily mean you should start a business. So how did you kind of decide for yourself with, I like leather. I think it'd be cool to make myself a leather bag, but that's kind of the extent of it. You know, maybe make a couple of little things for some friends or give some gifts. And so it's one thing to have like this side hobby of, I make a couple leather goods on the side versus I want this to be my full-time, you know, bread and butter. So how did you try to determine how leather kind of fit into your own world? And I agree just because you like something doesn't mean you should make it a full-time job, but I would say go in that direction and do something on the side, you know, but we can talk, I'll talk more about that in a minute, but here's the thing. I accidentally started this business. And so, but I was doing something that I Loved. I was living in Mexico. I was eating tacos every single night. I was with my dog. I was traveling a lot. And even though I wasn't making the money, I was doing what I loved. And I was doing what I enjoyed. And not everybody has that liberty to, they have a family, they have kids. They can't be irresponsible like I was. But I didn't mean to start a business. And that's the strange thing is the business started because people saw that I was doing what I was passionate about and that I was doing what I enjoyed. And they said, I like that too. And he's helping people. Hey, he's like me. And they were associating with, there was something there with adventure and, and fun and enjoying what you do. And we're going against the flow. My dad had even told me to not go to Mexico. Don't do this business. Go get a regular job. And so there's something there. The business accidentally started. I was I kept working with youth, working with youth, working with youth, and I got, but I was selling so many bags that, on eBay that I couldn't keep up anymore. And I had to make a decision do I help more youth or do I do this business? And the business was really fun. And so I moved, I started helping other youth workers work with youth instead of me. So instead of me sitting around a campfire with 30 kids, I was helping three guys sit around a campfire with 30 kids. And then 10 guys sit around, 10 people sit around a campfire with 30 kids. And so instead of me, actually, I learned more people were being, more kids were were getting some guidance in life. Rather than just me doing it, other people could do it better and, and more of it. But as far as the what the statement earlier, I agree with you. If you like fly fishing, don't go start a fly fishing company. But I would say 
get involved in it. Like get involved. If that's your passion, get involved somehow. Be just be involved in blogs, in communities that are fly fishing communities. Get involved in, in these things, and something usually along with your skill set will kind of pops up. You might start doing accounting for fly fishing organizations, or somehow you're involved in in fly fishing. And not full time. I would say. Do it part-time. Do it on the side. Something just kind of a hobby, but it's a business. And you'd be surprised what will come up. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think sometimes we view it almost like this all-or-nothing thing. If we were to ask you years and years ago when you first made that first bag, like, hey, do you want to build a huge company that sells all types of leather goods? You'd say, probably not. Like, I'm just I'm just having fun right <laughs> now. But it's just like, I'm going to do this. Okay, that was fun. So now let's. what's the next thing? Well, let's make a couple. We've got people asking us. So let's make a couple and sell the, oh, that uh-huh. went well. So let's, let's make a couple more. And so, and so it's never like this. I'm looking 19 steps ahead on the road of what this is going to be. No, no, I'm just looking at the next thing. And that seems interesting. That seems fun. Let's try that. You know, I think about, I think for a lot of us, I think we can think of like different hobbies and things that we're interested in. They were like, it's really good as a hobby, but I'm, I don't really have any interest in taking whatever the next step would be. That's great. Just leave it as a hobby, but just being able to kind of differentiate those things in your mind there. Well, Grant, so this is really a cool thing that people have been pouring into my life and I've been hearing some things about this, but the Jews say that you don't have anything to say till you're 50. Yeah. I got to have lunch with Zig Ziglar, this super great speaker. Yeah. And he said when he was 47, he was in debt and unemployed. He was the most successful man in America for years, yeah. voted number one most successful and helped so many millions of people get out of their, their junk. And a friend of mine, he was working over missionaries in all of Latin America. He was lived in Colombia. He was all over South America, Central America. He had been president of universities and all these things. He said he didn't really start having impact in people's lives till he turned 50. Wow. The Purpose Driven Life, the guy Rick Warren, the yep. best-selling book of all times besides the Bible, that guy, he wrote it around 50 years old. So what they're saying is, I keep hearing this, is that we're in training until we're 50. And that's when you take all of these the jobs you've had, the hobbies you've enjoyed, the forums you've been a part of, the communities you've done, and it all starts to flow at around 50 years old. So around 28 to 32, 33 is when I see most men saying, dude, I don't really know what I want to do. And I seriously, that, and it happened to me. What should I do next? I was selling real estate down in Mexico and I said, what should I do now? What's next? And I just sat on this hill for a couple of days and just thinking about it and praying about it. And I was like, what do I do next? But you know what? Do the next thing, knowing that you're moving toward when you're 50. And you can do significant things before 50, but we're all in training until we're 50 years old. And that's when we start going deep and wide. And that's why when you see a 20-year-old driving like a $100,000 Mercedes Benz, you go, something's wrong here. (laughs) Like, he can't have earned that. He doesn't know enough. He hasn't failed enough. It's just this thing. How could he be that successful at that young age? Well, he's not. Mommy and daddy gave it to him. Or he's selling drugs. It doesn't make sense because, but it makes sense when someone who's got peppered hair and that is driving a $100,000 car because it's what's right. It's because they've put in the time. They've failed a whole lot. They've tried many different things and they've gained wisdom. And now they're doing what they love a lot of times. Yeah. 
one of the things I want to talk about is for people that are interested in specifically like manufacturing leather, like I'm interested more in, in the story of how you made that very first bag. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to save that for the bonus round. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes so people can download that for free from the uh, the show notes uh, link for this episode of how, if you wanted to make your own piece of leather of any, like I'm trying to figure out like, where would you even go? You know, if you had this idea, what would you even do? So we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But if people are interested in hearing more about your story, your journey, and more importantly, if people want to just check out the bags, the goods, the products themselves of what you guys are up to, where can we uh, find all this leathery goodness? We're on saddlebackleather.com. And yeah, or if you Google, just Google leather briefcase, just we'll be right there on top somewhere. And you'll go, what's the name of that company again? Google leather briefcase. You'll see saddleback leather. Oh, that's it. That's it. Click on it. But if it says add right there next to it, don't. <laughs> it don't. Cost, me like, cost me like 75 cents. <laughs> <laughs> we'll avoid the, uh, the paper clip. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Awesome. Well, Dave, thanks so much for the time. And again, we're going to be talking a little bit more in the bonus round just about manufacturing leather, leather goods, and how someone actually go about doing that. Maybe just as a little side hobby thing. So uh, we'll talk about that over in the, uh, the bonus round. Sound good? Yeah, that sounds great. All right, there you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that chit-chat with Dave Munson, founder and CEO of Saddleback Leather. Really fun conversation there and just fascinating. Like, how do you see some type of leather good and just decide that, like, yeah, let's, I want that. Let's make that. Like, where would you even begin to do there? So enjoyed that uh, that conversation and how he's built a business out of that and how he's really taken some serious steps of faith. So very cool. Hey, as always, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to listen and subscribe to the show. Not just li- you're listening to the show now, but leave ratings and reviews. Subscribe to the show. Those things definitely uh, help the show out, help other people to find out more about it. So that is all for now, my friends. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.